I don't usually get up and talk at this point. Um, if you're around, you know that. Uh, we're going to do a little bit different stuff today. If you're here for the first time, I just want to say a special welcome to you. We're so glad that you're here. The ushers are coming, and they're passing books down the aisles. And if you would fill them out, um, it, we ask everybody to do that. If you've been coming for, for years and years, fill those out. If, it, if today's your first time, fill those out. If it's your first time, um, we would love to be able to send you a note, maybe give you a phone call, and to send you a special gift as a result of being here, something that's cool, that you'll like, um, it's not goofy, and uh, that'd be great, and uh, so you fill those out, that'd be great. Uh, in just a second, the offering buckets are going to go by as well. Offering's a cool thing. Um, it, it is an opportunity to give back to God and to recognize that everything we have comes from Him. We actually start a series next week, a new series of messages that's called Take a Chance. And uh, it's uh, going to be about all the stuff that God gives us and how we take care of that, uh, taking, uh, taking a chance to uh, maybe take some steps in new ways that way next week. Um, if you're new or if you've maybe not thought about this for a while, uh, you may not know, but last December, at the end of last year, we offered an opportunity for people to give, to help plant a church in Ecuador, to, to go to this community where there was no presence of Jesus and to, and to have a chance there to make a difference in that place by planting a church and ultimately to be involved with sponsoring kids there, taking trips there, to have this kind of ongoing relationship with the, with the, the church that we planted there. And, um, and that's a cool thing that happened. We, uh, we, our offerings totaled about $43,000, and, um, and we partner with a church in Illinois to help uh, plant that church, and today is going to be kind of the next step in that. So it's important to just kind of get a context um, to know where that church is. So if you look on screen, you'll see a little bit of the Western Hemisphere. See Central America there, uh, Honduras, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Panama, down Colombia and then Ecuador, and where the pin is, is a community called San Lorenzo. Go to the next slide. San Lorenzo is up in the northern section of Ecuador. It's right on a river that divides Ecuador from Colombia. Um, it's a, a community that's about 15,000. It's grown uh, considerably because of, um, because of refugees that have come from Colombia uh, to to basically get away from all the drug stuff that's in Colombia and, and uh, moved into San Lorenzo. Um, it, San Lorenzo is, is a, a city there that it's kind of like uh, the Wild West. Um, it's, uh, it's not lawless kind of thing, but it's, it's a poor city with lots, uh, the, the major um, industry and stuff is fishing and a lot of um, uh, manual labor kind of stuff. It's a pretty rough crowd that's there. But there's, there's churches and beginning to be lots of churches in San Lorenzo, which is cool uh, because of partnerships like we're doing. And if you go to the next slide, that pin that's down there is a community where the church is that we've helped plant. It's in a community called Kilometer 9 because it's 9 kilometers outside of San Lorenzo down that road. Um, it's a small community. Um, it's very, very poor and, and it didn't have any church, um, any, any presence of Jesus there. And as a result of what we've done here at North Point, in partnership with a church in Illinois, there's a church there that's just getting started. And a big part of the partnership in that 
is um, a big part of the, of the launch of the church is that we have an opportunity to sponsor children there that ultimately it can change their lives and can, um, and can change the community as well. Um, here's what I'd like for you to do, if you would. On the front of the pews in front of you, you should be able to find a packet that looks kind of like this. Take that out right now. And go ahead and open it up. And look at it. Aren't they cute? And if you would, say the name of the child whose name is on that packet right now. Go ahead and say it out loud. Say it one more time. Yeah, first name is easiest, right? Uh, and how old are they? How old is that child? Now you have to do math, so you have to make sure that you had some coffee, right, this morning. Now, in whatever group you're in, hopefully everybody can see a packet. Can anybody not see a packet? Um, pa pass them around. Whatever. If, if you can't see a packet, somebody pass one down to Pat so she can see one. Um, open it up, and if you would, in your little group of people that you are, maybe your family, whatever, would you read the story, the bio of that child? Open it up. And there on the left-hand side, there's a just little description about that particular child. Go ahead and read that. Read that out loud. Everybody all at once. Read it out loud. One last little bit of information. If your packet has a pink, a pink card in it, if it has a pink card in it, that particular child is in kilometer nine. That's, that's where they live. And when you read the bio, it, it probably said that. If you don't have a pink card there, it's a child that's obviously in Ecuador. Um, here's, the, here's kind of the short version. Our plan for today was to have all children from Kilometer 9 that, that we could sponsor and that we could talk about, that we could pray for today here at North Point. But because of the earthquake that happened last April, it impacted Compassion's infrastructure there in a pretty dramatic way. They, uh, the San Lorenzo was hit and had a lot of damage, not a tremendous loss of life. But then in July, they had two more earthquakes in two days that were actually right outside San Lorenzo. Earth, uh, one was a 5.9 and one was a 6.2. Um, and that impacted the ability for them to be able to, to help uh, put the children into the sponsorship program and get them to us. So we've, we have about 81 kids from Kilometer 9 that we have packets for today. And we've got about 170 more that are from Ecuador in that northern section in the Esmeraldas province as well. And, um, and so that gives you a little bit of context. What I, want, what I want to do is just help you understand why we're doing this today. The, the, the mission of North Point is to help all people move to, towards a life fully devoted to Jesus, right? You've heard that before, to help all people move to a life fully devoted to Jesus. Because when we, when we submit to Jesus... He calls us to make a difference in the world, right? Um, we're called by God to change the world. If, um, if you've got your phone out, uh, sorry, just a temporary diversion here for a second. If you've got your phone out and you're working through the app, we're having app problems today, so don't use your app today, all right? <laughs> but uh, you know that that's the underlined one if you want to go back and fill it up, okay? You're called... If you're a follower of Jesus, you're called 
to change the world. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, God calls us to change the world. In Psalm 82, David wrote, Defend the weak and fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. I don't know if you know this or not, but every day around the world, 16,000 children under the age of five die because of preventable causes. Let me say that again. Every day, 365 days a year, every day around the world, 16,000 children under the age of five die because of preventable causes. Bad water, not enough food, malnutrition, disease, um, not having vaccinations, malaria, stuff that we can prevent that we don't have problems with for the most part in the U.S. at all. Around the world, 16,000. Try and, try and wrap your head around that. David says, or follow Jesus, defend the weak and the fatherless, uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, as he's speaking truth that, that for the Jews was radical, what did he say? You're the salt of the earth. If salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill can't be hidden. People don't light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. The foundational truth that I want you to wrap your arms around today is if you're serious about following Jesus, if you're serious about following Jesus, you are called to change the world. One of the things that, I, um, that I, I'm aware of all the time, I want, I want to say it hurts my heart, I don't even know how to describe the concern I have. It's so easy for us in the U.S. to say, yes, I believe in Jesus, yes, I go to church, and that's good, that's okay. And our faith isn't impacting any aspect of our lives. Today, there's a very specific challenge that's coming because if we're serious about following Jesus, we're called to change the world. Um, we need to make a difference in the world, right? We have, we have this, this longing in us. Uh, you know, if you, if you study sociology and, you, and they talk about the generations that come, you know, there were the, the builders that, that um, were born uh, in the Depression, kind of around that. Some of you guys are still builders. There's the baby boomers that came after World War II and forward. Um, the, after the baby boomers, there were the baby busters or Generation X. After Generation X, there's the millennials. And it's been interesting to me because in the church leadership world, we talk a lot about, okay, the builders think this way, the busters, or the, the boomers think this way, the busters think this way, millennials think this way. We talk about that all the time. The, the thing that, as each generation has come along, that the sociologists have said, that generation, this generation wants to make a difference with their lives. They want their lives to count. We hear it now mostly about the millennials. It's like, okay, the thing that drives the millennials is they want their life to count. When Gen X was coming on, the thing that they said was, here's the thing about Gen X. They want their lives to count. 
when the boomers were first coming of age, they said, the boomers want their lives to count. God wrote in us this desire for our lives to matter, to not just float, to make a difference, and to leave a footprint in this world. It's not uh, that we can try and fill that, we can try and create that footprint, we can try and do that in all kinds of different ways. But only eternal ways will matter. When we make a difference in the world, when, when we take seriously the call of Jesus, some incredibly cool things happen because it starts to open up our eyes to see around us the needs that are in the world. It starts to open up our eyes to think about, you know what, if God has called me to make a difference, what's it mean to live out my faith on a daily basis? It's not, when, when, when we do that, when we think about changing the world that we live in, it's not so that God will give us kudos. It's not so that we'll get gold stars in our crown. It's the result of our relationship with Jesus. If, if we understand how much Jesus loves us, if we understand that God created us to be in relationship with him for eternity, we can't just float. We've got to, we've got to pour ourselves into impacting the people around us, the world around us in an incredible way. Um, the interesting thing is that, that when we begin to be used by God to change the world, sometimes we don't even know it. Sometimes we don't even know it. You may not recognize that God is using you to change the world if you're doing it as an expression of your relationship with him. Matthew 25, Jesus said this, when the Son of Man comes in glory and all the angels with him, then he'll sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom that's prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he'll say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you didn't welcome me. Naked, and you didn't clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. And they also will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not minister to you? And he will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Here's, understand this, that when we're in relationship with Jesus, and we're thinking about this call that he's given us to change the world, it just happens naturally. And we may not even be aware of what God's doing. 
but it doesn't change the fact that we're ministering to Jesus in all these different kinds of ways. We're talking today about sponsoring children in other parts of the world, making a difference in their lives. People who are destitute and fatherless because God has called us to change the world. My name is Anita Charles and um, um, my husband and I live in the area. We have been married for 18 years and we are parents to three daughters. I work as a software engineer at Radio Bible Class Ministries. I am also a volunteer compassion advocate. I uh, speak to churches and small groups about uh, how Compassion Child Sponsorship helped me and changed my life and, and I encourage others to sponsor as well. I am from Chennai, which is a large city of about six to eight million. It's in the southeast coast of India. The house that we grew up was about the size of a two-car garage. We had one room that was a multi-purpose room. Uh, we used that room um, as our bedroom, as our living room, as our dining room. And um, every night my, my brother, my mother and I would sit on the floor and eat our meals. We did not have TV, refrigerator, um, the, and there was no running water in the house. Just outside the door there used to be open trash. There would be mice running over us when we sleep. I also remember our food being very simple because we could only afford what the civil supply rations provided. My parents both had had an arranged marriage. Now, my mother was born with asthma. My mother kept falling ill very often, and this was something that my father was not prepared to deal with. And every time she would fall sick, he would send her away to her father's house. And eventually, they both decided to separate because it was a very hostile situation. My uh, dad, when the separation happened, did not want me to be living with my mother. He wanted me to be living in a place where he could come and see me without having to see my mother. So he picked a boarding school for me. Uh, very soon, he moved away and my tuition was not getting paid. My fourth grade teacher, who knew how my family situation had changed, she said, we have compassion project in our school. How about we enroll Anita? for the Compassion Project and see if somebody will sponsor her and help her out. We could not have afforded the education that I got if I was not sponsored. God saw my mother's tears and brought along the help that we so much needed through the sponsorship. Every year, Glenn and Linda, my sponsors, paid for my school tuition. And every year they paid for my textbooks and my notebooks and backpack. This school nurtured my faith in such a tremendous way. It was a good Christian school. We started every day singing so many Christian songs and choruses. We started every day reading the scripture and praying. And when I was 14 years old, this was the place where I asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. When I came over to the U.S., I think it was a Compassion commercial uh, with the 800 phone number that prompted me to jump and get on the phone and at least ask. You know, would you happen to have the records from the 80s? Compassion helped me hook up with my sponsors. And when um, Glenn and Linda came out to see me, uh, what surprised me and what 
warmed my heart very much was that they were regular people, blue jeans, t-shirt people who came to see me in an old beat up Volkswagen. And it just warmed my heart. Um, and the time that we spent together was um, so beautiful. It felt like Jesus was right there with us. By God's grace today, uh, my family and I sponsored three children. And um, we are so humbled to see how the little that we give, God takes that, God stretches that, and keeps them in a place where they get good education, where they get good medical care, and they're also in a place where they are taught to love Jesus. I like opportunities where I can just give my money or just give my uh, talent, but I find a lot of fulfillment and satisfaction in opportunities where I can be in relationship with the other person. And I enjoy the relationship that I have with my sponsored children. I would encourage others listening as well to bring that hope, to bring a child to a place of opportunity through their sponsorship. Child sponsorship with compassion can dramatically change the life, the trajectory, the eternity of a child. And uh, I'd just like for you right now, if you would, to welcome Anita Charles to the stage. Thank you, Pastor Rick. Hello, everyone. She's great. Uh, um, it, what's it like to watch that video over and over again? It is extremely humbling. It, mm. is, um, it takes me back to my formative years. Um, that's where we slept, we ate, we showered. That was life. Um, and obviously, it's very different now. Yes. Um, talk, talk uh, if you would, a little bit about how your life changed and how, and how it impacted your family once you began to be sponsored? Um, as the video tells you the story, um, you know, my parents separated and my mother was left to find um, ways to put food on the table, ways to um, help us have a stable life, you know, figure out how to pay the rent and things like that. And I could not have had a good education. I could not have been in a place that nurtured my faith if I was not sponsored. And because I was sponsored, um, I was able to go to this Christian school, and as the video says, you know, the sponsorship really came along my mother, came alongside my mother, and provided I have a younger brother as well, and because the sponsorship took care of my education, my mother, it freed up resources for my brother to go to school as well, and be able to, for my mother, make it able for my mother to afford to send my brother to school as well. So the sponsorship has helped me in so many different ways. And if you ask me, the two most outstanding ways is, number one, it gave me great education, and it kept me in a place where it taught me to love Jesus. Because the Compassion Project, um, they remind you every day that Jesus loves us, that every child and all these children, 
the context for these children. They're coming from such poor backgrounds. The children who were sponsored along with me were children of janitors, were children of street sweepers, were children of you know, bus drivers, all, um, and children of parents who could not keep a regular income job. And um, there, uh, the uh, Compassion Project was there to tell us that you matter to Jesus. Jesus loves you, and you can be somebody in this world. And um, that's what um, Compassion did for us, gave us education, and it taught us to love Jesus. In, uh, forgive my ignorance in this, but in, the, in India, caste system, mm -hmm. so that concept that Jesus would love even the poorest mm -hmm. of the poor, mm -hmm. that, that was a big deal. It is a big deal. And it, in, in, in any context, even mm -hmm. regardless of the caste system, you know, when the parents are struggling so much, um, and somehow it is so valuable to hear from somebody else, to have that extra voice speak truth into your life, saying, you matter. Um, and because when you're poor, you're very often made to feel very insecure, very insignificant, that you don't mm. matter. And here, um, through the love of Jesus, we are hearing over and over again that you do matter, regardless of whether you're poor or not. And God values your life, and God wants you to become someone who can change this world. So as you grew up, as you uh, were sponsored, as you hit your teen years, did, w did that begin to really kind of take hold that there was hope that God had a plan for you? Yeah. Um, as a child, I was sponsored from third grade on, and it, as a child, it's hard to comprehend why we're writing these letters, because every, uh, we'd gather once every month and write letters and color pictures for our sponsors, and it's hard to comprehend someone outside of your family loving you. But by the time I had come up to ninth grade, I knew that there was this family that because of their love for Jesus, their sharing their love for Jesus with me, coming alongside my mother, helping us in our poverty, helping me stay in school, and being able to grasp how great and how valuable that is and to be grateful for that. So flash forward or fast forward um, to you're an adult, you're in the U.S., you make the phone call, you connect. What was it like when you met your sponsors? Um, it, was, it was a beautiful experience. Um, um, they are actually a little older than my parents' age. And they, I found out that um, they do not have children of their own, but they love the Lord. And um, every, all through my childhood years, when, I, when we wrote letters, I would picture them as this millionaire couple, you know, millionaire, at least uh, with a black suit, like a daddy Warbucks image. And so then when they came to me, uh, came to see me, you know, regular blue jeans, uh, white t-shirt, and an old beat up Volkswagen, it was just, um, it was just a shock to not picture them as millionaires. You know, they were regular people who, because of their love for the Lord, they had shared what they had to help me out. So you're in the U.S., you're married, you have three kids. Yes. And how are you involved with your kids in terms of sponsoring kids now? Yeah, um, I just feel so humble that God has helped us now sponsor three children and to see how we can make a difference in their life. And I also am a volunteer uh, compassion advocate, so I can share my stories and encourage people to sponsor. And um, if you um, see, there's a picture of the, one of the boys that we sponsor. He is Manoj. 
Manoj is 14 years old, and I have two daughters that are also um, 14 years old. And we picked him because we could do, we could kind of figure out what's going on in his life based on what's going on in our daughter's life because they're the same age. And as you know, compassion sponsorship um, really, um, to make the sponsorship meaningful, you have to do it in a way that is very relational. And you get to write letters and they write back to you. So in the course of writing letters, we had asked Manoj, hey, um, my kids love to ride bikes in the summer. They just love to ride their bikes around the block. So we had asked him, hey, do you have a bike? And the, one of the letters that came back said, nope, we, I, he doesn't have a bike, so he uh, doesn't know how to ride a bike. So one of the years we had said, uh, for as, as our Christmas gift, we um, asked Compassion to give just $50, at least get him a used bike, if you can get him a used bike. And they got him a brand new bike, and that was our first connection in our relationship. And since then, our, the Lord has enabled us to visit him twice. And when you visit your child, it just adds a third dimension to that relationship. And um, it lets that child know that you are real and lets you know, it lets you have a firsthand information of that child's life. We went to see him. He lives in a slum. And you can see the roof of that um, hut that he, he is in. And um, the toilet facilities, the, it, it is just unbelievable. There is a cement slab between the kitchen where the stove is and where the toilet is. And the, you know, it's just so, um, so amazing. And one of the questions that I keep getting asked, how does your sponsorship make a difference? And in my story, as I often say, the immediate difference is, yes, it provides for your education. It provides for you to be in a place where you're reminded that God loves you, that Jesus loves you. That's the immediate transformation. The long-term transformation is, yes, it happened after I came here. I was able to um, get a job and then buy a house for my mother and move her out. So while our sponsored child is still living in this hut, our sponsorship is providing for him to go to school. He go, we went and visited the school that he was in. He goes to a good school. And we're just hoping and praying and speaking truth in his life that he will stick with school. And kids who come from these slum environments, it is so hard for them to stick in school. They get into bad company, bad habits. We're just praying that he will stick with this school and that we would continue, that he will continue to hear that Jesus loves him and that if he sticks with school, we continue to help him, and he can be somebody who returns, who gives back to the community. Yeah. Would you express your appreciation to Anita for coming and sharing with us today? Thanks. So here's my story, because I'm, um, I'm, I'm passionate about this. I, I think the opportunity that we have for God to use us to change the world through something like this is a big deal because it's made a difference for me. And uh, in 1986, 1987, somewhere in there, um, Deb and I had uh, a young daughter, uh, a second daughter, I think, on the way, and we were challenged to sponsor a compassion child. Um, we didn't have any money. Um, Deb actually began to watch kids in our home so that we could so that we could sponsor a child, and here's a picture of the child that we sponsored. Her name is Laura Nina 
Flores. She was, I think, six or seven years old when we began to sponsor her and started to write letters back and forth. Uh, an incredible thing to, you know, get the letters back with the pictures that she had drawn. And then as she got older, uh, and she actually began to really write about what was going on in her life and uh, share stuff, pray for us, for us to pray for her. It was, it was incredibly cool. In 1993, I made a trip to Honduras on a mission trip, and I was able to work that trip so that I could go to the area where Laura lived. Uh, it was outside the, the ruins of Copan in, um, in Honduras. And uh, I worked it out so that I could meet Laura and her family. Uh, here's a picture of Laura and her mom and her brother. Um, and it, it was such an incredible time. That's me with colored hair, um, you know, and the hat. Um, if, you look at, if you look at what Laura's holding, at this point she's 13, uh, roughly 13 years old. She's a young woman. But before I had gone on the trip, I had said to my girls, who at this point were 6, 4, and 2, I, I said, I'm going to meet Laura. Would you like to give her some gifts? And so, you know, 6-year-old, 4-year-old, 2-year-old, they're thinking, oh, yeah, this, what, what can we do? And so they actually gave me a number of things to give her. One was a brand-new stuffed animal that they had gotten at Kings Island on a trip to Ohio. The other thing they, that, that they gave me, and you can see it a little bit, the, the doll that's there, um, it was this raggedy doll. And I mean, it had been loved and loved and loved through, for six years. And I, I was, like, almost ashamed to take it to her because it was in such bad shape. But I wanted my kids to experience the joy of giving something that they treasured to Laura in Honduras. Really, really cool thing. In 1999, Laura graduated from Compassion. Um, she finished the program. Uh, they helped her transition into a job uh, that was associated with the Department of Tourism with the ruins. And, um, and for me, it was, it was a time of incredible joy, but a time of incredible sorrow too. Because once Laura left the program, compassion was the avenue that allowed us to communicate back and forth. And so I didn't have any more contact with her. Fast forward a few more years. Uh, three years ago, in 2013, I was at the church that I served in Ohio, and we had a Sunday like this, a, a sponsorship Sunday. We had helped plant a church in Ecuador, and we were, we were sponsoring kids. We had uh, about 110 kids sponsored that day. And, and I was just exhausted after the day. I had done lots of work for it. And um, sitting at home with my kids now, for the most part, growing up, watching TV, got my laptop out, watch, uh, and, and on Facebook, and I have a friend request on Facebook that night from Laura Nina Flores, 33 years old. And I, I, I accepted her friend request and immediately wrote to her. Um, it, it started a correspondence that, that we stay in touch all the time now, but she, she, um, she wrote something really interesting. She said, hello, Mr. Rick. I'm very excited to receive a message from you so soon. You've always been in my thoughts and prayers after so many years. You've always been a blessing to me. I keep, I've kept your letters, and I can see on Facebook that your children are adults now. I see the pictures from when they were young. Um, and uh, can you go to the picture? That's, I had sent Laura these pictures when my girls were little. And uh, the thing I want to point, you out, uh, point out to you in that is that at the top of the pictures, you can see kind of brown horizontal lines. 
Those are from Staples, where she had stapled those pictures up, where she would see them every day and know the family that was praying for her. She said, now I have a family, and my husband Norman and Alexander and Sophia are my children. My mom is 75 years old, in good health. My brother's almost all married. My village has grown a lot, and it's very nice. During your trip to Honduras, you gave me a doll. Laura was 13, kind of past the doll stage. She said, during the trip to, your trip to Honduras, you gave me a doll. I almost did not play, so I decided it would be for my first daughter as a gift. Um, she was born three years ago, and I gave this special gift that I have kept all this time to her. It's a pleasure to share this photo with you and your family. That picture is hard for me to look at because there's this girl that we invested in. For 20 years, she kept a stupid stuffed animal because it was an expression of love from a family that prayed for her. You are called to change the world. She wrote later, when it comes to compassion, I say, um, the, the work done by compassion in houses with, with economic needs is very large. In my case, it was very special because the economic situation in my home was very difficult. If my parents were always Christian, but my, Christians, my parents were Christian and had great faith, it was when I received the news that I had a sponsor that it caused great joy for me, and I had to make a letter for you. I always wrote two pieces of paper because there were so many things to say and I liked uh, drawing pictures. Do you remember? When I was nine, my father died and I remember feeling very confident that, that there was someone in the U.S. who prayed for me, Mr. Rick Rubel. They, uh, you spent years and always gave economic need, but for me, it was more important for me to know that someone was praying for me. That was the best help I could get, the most valuable to me. Here's the deal. Um, oh, the last thing she said, whenever you and your family, your, you and your family will always be important to me because the answers to their prayers continue to keep coming. God bless you much, much. Here's what I'd like for you to do right now, just for the next couple minutes. Take out that packet again. Take, take it out. And in your little group, I want you to pray for that particular child. Pray that God would connect them with a sponsor. Pray that God would take care of their needs. Pray that God would be able to reach out in his love and change their hearts, their lives, for eternity. Go ahead and do that and feel free to pray out loud together. Uh, pray silently, either one. So here's the deal. Here's the opportunity that's in front of you. How do you sponsor a child? Look at that packet and, and you pray and say, God, is this what you have for me? It costs $38 a month to sponsor a child. That $38 goes to take care of their physical needs, their medical needs, nutrition, uh, that end of things, it takes care of their educational needs, which is, Anita has said, is a huge deal. 
and it takes care of their spiritual needs. For many of these kids, it's an opportunity to hear about Jesus. In, in our situation, in K-9, in the, in the village of K-9, there is no church. There would be no church if it weren't for North Point. And those kids have not had a chance to learn about Jesus in any kind of consistent way. The $38 a month helps that happen. What do you do? You take that card out, you fill it out, and you take it to either the, the missions kiosk or there's a table that the Rossmans are at back in the atrium on this side, and, um, and you write a check and give them a check for $38, or you put your credit card information there and it starts the process, and then you take the packet home and you can actually go onto the Compassion website and, um, and start to communicate. You can write your letters online, you can send pictures online, They'll send hard copies back to you. It's an incredibly cool thing. Here's what I don't want you to do, all right? I don't want you to take the packet and take it home and think, ah, yeah, I think I want to do this, but I'm not sure. Got to figure out how to do the money into things and take the packet. Because if you take the packet home and it ends up in a stack on your desk or it gets pushed aside, Every day that it's at home is a day that that child can't get sponsored because these packets are individual for a specific child. So if, if it sits at home, it will, it will probably be, we'll, we'll, send, we'll send all of the packets that we have here back to Compassion in two weeks. So there's a couple of weeks that you can um, stop by the office, look at more packets, um, decide if you want to sponsor additional children or whatever. But in two weeks, we'll, we'll send all these back, and then they will go to another church or to another event so those kids can be sponsored. If you keep the packet at home, that child will go months, literally, without the help that someone can provide through sponsorship. So don't do that, all right? Best thing to do is just fill it out, um, start the process. Now, how do, you how, do you decide, how do you decide who to sponsor? It may be, we've been praying for these kids, and it may be that you sat in the seat that you sat in today, specifically so you could sponsor the child that's in front of you. When the service is done, there are additional children that are at each of the tables that you can go and look. Um, you can kind of wander through the auditorium here, and maybe, like, like Anita said, maybe you're looking for a, a child that's the age of one of your kids or um, one of your grandchildren or a neighbor or somebody that you love. Um, it may be that you look for a child who has a name that's similar to one of your kids' names. Deb and I sponsor two, two children right now, William and Catherine, that are in Ecuador. William has, the reason I chose William, I'm looking at all these cards thinking, who, who do I pick? William has asthma, and our son has asthma. And that was, for me, I, that was a connection. Um, Catherine's birthday is November 20th, and our daughter Gabrielle's birthday is November 20th. For me, it was, you know, that's, that's a connection that, that, um, that God used. Figure out whatever that is, but uh, I, I want to challenge you to, to do that, to take that step. First service, the packet that I had, had a little boy. It was crazy. It was crazy. A little boy in Ecuador with a Michigan State basketball t-shirt on. Um, I don't know. And, and, and what's crazy is I had, um, somebody came up and took the packet, and then somebody else said, where's that kid with the Michigan State? I want that kid. Um, Figure out, figure out what it is. Um, if, let, let me just say this. Um, we moved group, which is our worship service for 7th through 12th graders, to Sunday nights. It doesn't happen right now. If you're in here or if you've got kids who are 7th to 12th grade, 
I'm asking you tonight, I'm asking you tonight to have them here for group at 6 o'clock because there's going to be a special speaker that's here, a gal who's named Tabitha Nettles. She's a senior in high school, and um, her life has been transformed by her sponsoring kids. And her challenge to kids is going to be to say, don't do this, don't have your parents do this. You figure out a way. You figure out a way to get involved. Tabitha has credibility. I think she sponsors two kids. Um, she has a job specifically so that she can sponsor kids. She and her friends, uh, two Christmases ago, decided that they wanted to help plant a church so that kids could be sponsored. They wanted to plant a church in a community that was impoverished, that didn't have the presence of Jesus. And she and her friends raised $85,000 to plant a church. If you're in 7 through 12, come tonight to hear Tapta. Um, it will be worth it. Um, some of you may be saying, uh, $38 a month, I don't know that I can afford that. $38 a month, over the course of a year, you throw in a Christmas present, maybe a birthday present, is about $500 a year. Here's my conviction. We spend money on whatever we value. For most of us, it's not a big deal to spend $500 on vacation. It's not, we spend $500 on car stuff. We spend $500 on stuff that gets thrown away. We spend $500 on um, sports teams for our kids. We spend $500 for stuff to decorate our houses. If we believe that we've been called to change the world, we have to believe that you have been called to change the world. It's not a generic calling. It's a specific calling if you're following Jesus. I understand that there's lots of ways that God can use us to change the world. And there's lots of ways that people are doing that right now. Lots of North Point people are doing foster care. Lots of North Point people are adopting children from all over the world. They're making a difference. They're changing the world. Here's an opportunity for us. And, and what I want you to do is just pray. Pray and, and, and ask God if this is a step you should take. Hear me, and I mean this. If you have a strong sense from God, if you have a strong sense from God, no, I'm not supposed to do this. God's using me in other ways. Obey him and don't, don't, don't do anything else, but obey the Holy Spirit. If you have a strong sense from God today, if maybe, maybe it's an emotional pull, maybe it's a logical pull, I can do this. This is a step that I can take. Holy Spirit works through logic, okay? Holy Spirit works through emotion. And if that's the case, say yes. Don't walk away without, without throwing out a packet. And it may be that you're kind of there thinking, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just want you to go back to Matthew 25 to when, when the people said, when did we see you, Jesus? When did we see you hungry and poor and naked, in need? The packet that you hold in your hand is of a child that may be the face of Jesus for you, for, um, for, for some time. Um, last thing I want to say is this. If you sponsor a kid, boy, pray for him and write to them. Um, 
you can do it and never do either of those things, and you'll make a difference in their lives. God will use your money to change their lives. But for the last 35 years, Deb and I have sponsored kids, and the, and the, and the, the kids that we're the closest to, the, the child that I'm the closest to, is a child that I rode faithfully and that friended me on Facebook. And her life and her kids' lives and her mom's life is different because of Jesus. Um, we're going to stand and sing. I'm going to pray first. And then, uh, you know what? Let's just go ahead and stand. And um, let's pray. And then let's sing. And um, let, let God lead you in terms of what steps you take today. God, um, we are desperate to be serious about the mission that you've given us to help all people move to a life fully devoted to Jesus. We don't want that to just be a statement. We don't want to just talk about it. God, as a church and as people, we want people to come to know you. We want their lives to be different here on earth, and we want their lives to be with you eternally. God, we have, an, we have a chance today to be salt and light. Help us, help us to take advantage of the opportunity that we have. God, help it not to just be limited to sponsoring kids. Open our eyes and our hearts today, Lord, that maybe as we sponsor a child or as we think about it, that we begin to recognize the needs that are all around us here in mid-Michigan and that we begin to take steps to help change the world here as well. God, I pray for people that are, that are struggling right now. Um, bring peace and direction to them as they, as they pursue you, as they seek you. God, change that community of K-9 in Ecuador. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.